Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Two thousand years ago, in a small town on the other side of the world, Joseph was at a moment of crisis. Joseph was one of God's people. Joseph was a descendant of David, and, and Joseph was at a critical point in his life. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there now. A moment of crisis in your life, a crossroads in your life where you know that from this time forward, life will not be the same. From this point on, your life will be different. Now, such a moment can come on slowly, where events or circumstances or decisions build on one another, slowly smoldering until they finally burst into flame. Or they can come on quickly, like a, like a snap, a flash, like a, a lightning strike that starts a blaze. And whatever causes it, whether it's a grade or a job loss or a diagnosis or a failure or an injury or a divorce or a death, it can, it can hit you like a punch in the gut, knock you off your feet, send you reeling, stumbling, agonizing, aching. 2,000 years ago, in a small town on the other side of the world, Joseph was at a moment of crisis. He just received a gut punch. He was knocked off his feet. He was sent reeling because Mary, the woman he was engaged to, Mary, the woman he was going to marry, Mary was pregnant. Now, maybe she told him. or Maybe she was starting to show. Maybe someone pointed it out to him. But however it happened, Joseph found out. Joseph knew, and he also knew this, he was not the father. You can imagine the shock. You can imagine the hurt, the, the pain, the, the anger. Surely Mary had been unfaithful. What other possible explanation could there be? And if she was unfaithful before they were married, unfaithful while they were engaged, what kind of wife would she be? Joseph was at a moment of crisis, a crossroads. His life was not going to be the same. Well, the crisis drives Joseph to action. He, he contemplates, he considers, and this is what he decides to do. He would divorce her. Now, you might be thinking, I thought they were only engaged. How can you get a divorce when you're not married? Well, in first century Israel, engagements work differently than they do in our own society. In first century Israel, an engagement was a public ceremony that required witnesses. An engagement was as binding as a marriage. And even though the couple lived separately for a year, they were referred to as husband and wife. At the end of that year of engagement, there'd be a marriage ceremony. And only then would the couple come together. Only then would they live together. Such an engagement could only be ended by death or divorce. Not a change of mind, not a change of heart, not a better offer. 
This is why even though they were not married, Joseph was going to divorce Mary. And even though Joseph believed that he had been wronged, he decided to divorce Mary quietly. Meaning this, he would not raise a public accusation of adultery. He would not force her to endure a public trial. But before he had time to carry out his decision, before he had time to act on his plan, God sent an angel to Joseph in a dream. Now, an angel is a messenger, a mighty messenger of the Lord. And in the scripture, the typical reaction caused by angels is fear because angels are heavenly beings. Angels are heavenly beings created by the Lord to serve the Lord, and they continually stand in his presence. As such, they reflect the glory of God, the splendor of God, the beauty of God. Angels appear in the Christmas story multiple times. And why is that? Because Christmas marks a new genesis. Christmas marks a new beginning. Christmas is the event that all of time and history has been moving toward. Christmas is the event that fulfills all of the scriptures. Christmas is the event where all of God's promises are fulfilled. It's not simply earth-shattering. It upends all of creation. Christmas changes everything. Christmas transforms everything. And angels are sent from the Lord to proclaim this good news. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel spoke these words from the Lord. Listen to part of verse 20 again. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now the message is this. Joseph, things aren't what they seem. Joseph, your inferences are incorrect. Yes, Mary is pregnant. No, she has not been unfaithful. The child within her is from the Holy Spirit. The child within her is from God, the Spirit. The child was conceived through the Holy Spirit, an act of God. The child within her has no earthly father. God is his father. Do not divorce Mary. Take her as your wife. And when this child is born, take him as your own. Name him Jesus, for he has come to save. Save from sin. Then Joseph woke up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Joseph felt after that dream? Can you imagine what Joseph thought when he woke up? Surely he felt relief and joy, and exaltation, and wonder, and amazement. Perhaps after the initial elation, he, he, he started wondering too, could it, could it really be? Is it really possible? Is it really true? Or was it after all just a dream? Once again, Joseph was at a crossroad. 
How would he respond to the message? How would he respond to God's word? Joseph's life was not going to be the same. And Matthew tells us that this happened. Matthew tells us that all of this took place to fulfill the scripture, to fulfill God's word, to fulfill God's word spoken through Isaiah the prophet centuries before Joseph, part of our Old Testament reading this morning. In Isaiah chapter 7, the year was 753 BC. God's people were at a moment of crisis. King Ahaz was in a moment of crisis. Ahaz was the king of Judah. Ahaz was a descendant of David. And this was the first year of his reign, and he was at war. Two countries marched against Judah. Now, if you remember your Old Testament history, Israel divided into two nations after the reign of King Solomon. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. Syria and Israel made an alliance against Judah. And there was one reason for their alliance. Assyria. The nation of Assyria, the empire of Assyria. For 300 years, the most powerful nation in all the world was Assyria. For 300 years, Assyria had a military machine that swept across the region, a military machine whose eventual goal was Egypt. And three nations were conveniently located on the road to Egypt, Syria, Israel, and Judah. Knowing that it was a matter of time before Assyria came knocking, Syria and Israel went on the offensive. Syria and Israel formed an alliance to defend themselves against this military machine, to defend themselves against this empire, and they wanted Judah to join them. In fact, they insisted that Judah join them. They demanded that Judah join them. But King Ahaz refused. King Ahaz turned them down. And so, Syria and Israel marched on Jerusalem. Their goal was to remove the king and place a new one on the throne, a new king who would be more open to an alliance. So God's people are at a moment of crisis. Ahaz is at a moment of crisis, a crossroad. The enemies were at the gate. So King Ahaz gets busy. Ahaz contemplates, Ahaz plans, Ahaz acts, thinking he can outwit, outplan, outmaneuver his enemies. Ahaz works on his own alliance, an alliance with the empire, an alliance with Assyria. In the midst of his considering and planning, in the midst of his struggles and fears, Ahaz seems to have forgotten one thing, though. God. And truth be told, if we're really honest, if we are honest to God, honest, we're often guilty of the same. At a moment of crisis, at a crossroad, in our struggles, in our fear, if we're not paralyzed, a lot of us get busy. We get busy contemplating, busy planning, busy doing something, even if it's just telling people about it, even if it's just worrying about it. We get busy and we forget God. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying don't contemplate. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't do. But first, but first this, have you sought the Lord? Have you asked the Lord for guidance? 
Have you asked him for direction? Have you asked him for wisdom? Have you committed your plans to him? Now, Ahaz may have forgotten God, but God had not forgotten Ahaz. Now, God had not forgotten his people. Before Ahaz had time to enact his plan, God sent his prophet. He sent Isaiah with a message. He sent Isaiah with good news. In verse 7 of chapter 7, which wasn't part of our Old Testament reading, the Lord tells Ahaz this through Isaiah, it will not stand. It will not come to pass. God is telling the king very plainly, Israel and Syria will not overcome you. Your enemies will not overrun your gates. Their plans will not succeed. I will not let it happen. You don't need an alliance with the Syria. And then God offers yet another gift to Ahaz. God offers Ahaz a sign, a sign to show that his word is true, a sign to show that his promise is sure. Listen again to verse 11 from our Isaiah passage. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. In other words, God is giving King Ahaz a blank check He's basically saying, ask for any sign that you can think of. Anything. Ahaz could have said, hey, God, why don't you strike all the enemies around Jerusalem with flaming pigs? God would have done it. Ahaz could have said, Lord, could you fly me to the moon and back? God would have done it. Anything. But instead, here's what Ahaz answers. This is in verse 10. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. The king refuses to ask for a sign. Even though God tells him to, even though God invites him to, he refuses and he closes his refusal in religious language. He closes his refusal in pious language. I won't test God. But the truth is, Ahaz doesn't want a sign. The truth is, Ahaz doesn't want to trust God. He doesn't want to put his faith in God because that would mean letting God have control of the situation rather than him. That would mean following God's plans rather than his carefully laid out plans. And Ahaz just doesn't want to do it. But even in these rejections, God is merciful. And he offers Ahaz, a sign anyway. And here it is in verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin will conceive. A virgin will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. God with his people. 700 years later, the sign was fulfilled. 700 years later, a descendant of David did believe. Joseph responded to the angel. Joseph responded to God's word in faith. Joseph obeyed. He took Mary as his wife, and the virgin gave birth to a son. Jesus Emmanuel, God 
with us. For this child, this child, the son of Mary, this child, the son of God, is the very one who spun galaxies into existence, planets in their orbits. He generated the air, crafted the water, he brought forth mountains and valleys and fields and forests. He's, he's the one who imagined and formed fish and, and birds and animals and insects. He's, he's the one who imagined and formed you. All the details and intricacies in which you are wondrously made, including the womb that he entered. He made it all out of nothing. He made it all by speaking. This, this child, son of Mary, this child, son of God, is the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. He's the one who wrote his commandments on the tablets. He's the one who established King David and his line. He's the one who spoke through the prophet Isaiah. This child is Emmanuel, God with us becoming what we are so that we can know him, so that we can know his love, so that we can know his mercy and his birth. His coming changes everything, everything, because he came to save. He comes with you in order to save you, to save you from that which separates you from God, to save you from your sin. This is Christmas, a miracle that has turned the world upside down, a birth that has turned the world upside down, that can turn your world upside down. Now, hearing this good news, whether you've heard it for the first time or a hundred times or thousands of times, places you at a crossroads. Do you believe? Is your faith in this child? Jesus, Emmanuel. Do you place your life in his hands? Do you place your salvation in his hands? Because the tiny hands of this child will become rough with labor and then become scarred by nails. Like Joseph, are you obedient? Rejoice, rejoice. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God with you. God with you now. God with you in moments of crisis. God with you at, a cr at crossroads. God with you even to the end of the age. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 